Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Tyler Griever. Welcome into the drive here on 93 in the Ville. Mark Ennis, Tyler Griever here on a Thursday. Hope you are warm uh, and hope you are better than maybe I guess all of us probably were a night ago. I think maybe the only uh, or last night. The only thing I guess uh, like a silver lining, Tyler, that uh, I don't do morning show. We're not all like bleary eyed and kind of uh, grumpy uh, after last night. Uh, But uh, I don't think probably particularly happier after what happened last night either. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I, I watched a, a decent amount of last night, and, and it's one where you know Kenny said after the game that you feel like that's a winnable game, yet the constant plague of turnovers just comes to bite you yet again. And, and it's something you and I have talked about many times before. It's it's kind of just the, the same old, same old every single game. It's like you, you could kind of script how this is going to go. And th- there's no getting around that when you're just a – when you're the worst turnover team in college basketball, you're – often going to lose games because of that like no getting around it if you don't fix that if you don't at least I mean if they even cut it in half where would they be you know I, I tweeted last night how you know I don't know if it makes a huge difference but just imagine if Louisville was a bad turnover team instead of the worst turnover team in the sport seriously just just do that and, and ask yourself how many more wins they would have yeah I think if you were to look at what Louisville's done so far this year if you take them from like you said a historically bad turnover team and i think it's important to just to not um gloss over the degree to which turnovers are an enormous problem like very few fan bases have ever seen their teams have there are very few teams that have ever turned the ball over as often and and can i add as seemingly easily yep as Louisville does. I think if you're listening uh, and are a diehard for Louisville and you've watched them this year, uh, the number of turnovers is a big problem. Uh, that, I think, is beyond a dispute. I think the shocking part, and it's the part that maybe makes people more angry than they would be normally, is what the the nonchalance of it all. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. I think that that's the best term, is like the... The nonchalance of the turnovers by the players committing the turnovers by other teammates on the team, uh, w- at least, you know, on the outside by 
by coaches, and, and what I mean by coaches at least is, it certainly doesn't seem like turning the ball over has any relationship to how much a player plays or not. It's from a- game from game to game, and and I just it, it is. It feels like it's like, does, is anyone bothered by any of this? It's like when you're at a restaurant, right? Yeah. And you see, like, and I'm not, I'm not a, like a Nazi about kids being well-behaved in public because they're less controllable than anybody really thinks. But when you see, like, obvious just parental neglect, right? And, like, these kids are hellions and mom and dad should do something. Like, th- it's that's the feeling I'm starting to recognize in myself when I watch them play. It's like, is anyone going to say anything about this? <laughs> As far as like the mistakes and the ease and the just the the shrug offishness of of things that end up ultimately killing them and costing them games, they have going back to the Lipscomb game was the last game, which also for the record they lost that game. That was the last game they didn't have at least fourteen turnovers. They had ten that game, and the turnover rate right now is tied for the third worst mark in college basketball. They are turning the ball over, I believe, 21.2% of the time. CBB Analytics putting out the assist percentage versus the turnover percentage on like a on a graph. And in the very bottom left corner of the graph is Louisville. And no one is even close to them. In terms yeah, there's of, nobody. There's nobody that turns it over like they do. No, there's not. And, and uh, you know, we've reached certain points of this season where it's like, man, you know, repeating the numbers and stuff. Like, what is that going to do? Sometimes I, I do think that you have to take a step back and look at it to realize how bad it is. Like, there's a difference between being a bad team and like having just a horrendous problem. And this is a horrendous problem. Like it's I've never and I think it's everybody, too. It's even everybody knows that LLS and Mike James are like the two saving graces of this season. They are the two bright spots, but they'll make some plays occasionally where you're like, man, this is there's just a team wide uh, devaluation of the basketball. Like Jeff, Jeff Wallace has said that a few times this year about his team. Like we have to learn how to value the basketball. I don't know how Louisville figures out a way to just value it a little more. But I, I I don't know what the answer is to that. And I feel like it's got to be something that in practice they've tried everything or hopefully they have tried everything because nothing changes if you keep giving the ball away at this kind of rate. We're talking about with a turnover rate, it's team-wide. It's not uh, traceable to a single person. It is not. But we're talking about a turnover rate. What you just described, four, the, the, the Lipscomb game was the last time they had fewer than 14 turnovers. That is correct. That's, that's seven turnovers and a half. That's a turnover every two minutes and change. Or if you go by the percentage uh, turnover rate that they have overall, they're turning the ball over in some way, either traveling, charging, stepping out of bounds, throwing it away, or having it stolen every fifth time they get the ball like that it's impossible it would be really really hard for good teams to win with that turnover rate it's certainly not the the turnover rate of a team that knows it's got to make sure that every controllable thing is is at a hundred to even have a chance to win and just to to maybe let people know 
in terms of context, just how how bad this is. Louisville lost uh, by 32 last year to Virginia Tech. 32, 75-43 last year. And they had 18 turnovers. Like, that's how bad it was. They're having that kind of turnover, those kinds of turnover numbers. They lost by 22 to Wake Forest with 14 turnovers. You know, some of these games... uh, but then you go to the ACC tournament when they won against Georgia Tech. They had a game with zero turnovers. Yep. You know they they beat Clemson a year ago with eight turnovers in a game. And I'm talking the Mike Pegues second half of the year here. You know they had a game uh, they lost to Miami just by just seven with just ten turnovers. And this is where I think the biggest problem. Louisville lost the game to Notre Dame by six a year ago. They had nine turnovers. This is where I think the this is my biggest issue with uh, whoever your favorite person who seems to just have no capacity for admitting that the Kenny might be not be doing a great job this year. Uh, that you can point to the losing down the stretch last year, but the things that that contribute to losing are much bigger this year. They're much more pronounced and unaddressed. I, is is I, maybe the best word I can come up with. When I see that a guy can can have five turnovers and play thirty minutes or something like that's that seems crazy to me, and I, I'm most disappointed that some of these things uh, that we're identifying as issues with this team are don't seem to be any closer to resolution or improvement than they were at the beginning of the year. And you say that, and it's something Kenny talks about after every single game. You know, last night I think he referenced the turnover problem as the the elephant in the room. Uh, it's no elephant in the room. Everybody, everybody's like, we know, we <laughs> we get it. It's very loud. It's not something that's quiet at all. It's something that you are watching intently every single game, and even the games where, and, and again, there are very few where you know you mentioned the Lipscomb game where there's only ten turnovers, only ten turnovers, but then you let an outsized Lipscomb team beat you on the boards and beat you inside. That is something that to me is indicative of Kenny and this staff this year is that the point that I've repeatedly said, and I'll keep repeating it, is that you believe the strength of this team was going to be the bigs with Kenny's background as a developer of big men and such. And that is not a strength of this team. They're not strong down low. A lot of turnovers come from those guys down low because they're not... They don't go up strong. They don't handle the ball well down there. And they are not great at controlling the glass whatsoever. Not to mention there's not really a shot blocking threat. Even, you know, I know Brandon Huntley Hatfield has, has been out and he flashes that occasionally, but doesn't do it consistently enough. So it's look, we're so far past the point in this where it's like, yes, the the turnovers are are a huge issue. Uh they are the number one issue. We can't pretend it that they are the only issue, though, because it's not. And it's something that when I'm watching last night, and even when they're winning in the first half, another thing that pops out to me is like I really think they they do not guard the three point line well at at all. Like I mean, the amount of open threes that Boston College missed last night, and the ones that other opponents have gotten throughout the course of the season, pretty crazy. 
to be honest with you. And I, we could fill up all three hours going through every single issue that the team has. But like, if you're going to ask me the three that that absolutely stand out to me and things you got to talk about in general, turnovers, rebounding, and probably defense as a whole, but three-point defense in, in particular is, I think guys just get way too many open looks. We're going to let everyone uh, sort of have their say uh, here today. Pretty much throughout the show, we'll have uh, Elliot and, and uh, Fat Jack like we always do. But other than that, uh, it's going to be it's going to be open. We're going to let uh, folks uh, kind of sound off uh, here as sort of a delayed postgame show uh, from a year ago. Uh, I am not, when it comes to basketball, I, I, I'm definitely a notch below where I feel like I am when it comes to football in understanding like what a team's trying to do, what a team can do, sure. what they ought to do, you know, with, with their limitations. Like I feel like when it comes to football, I know. So basketball, I'm willing to admit that maybe I don't always know what I think I'm seeing. Like I feel like I have confidence every time with football. Uh, but I've never seen down the stretch in particular cuz I don't think every turnover is created equally. You know, no, there are some not, that yeah. just that, that seem to do something. I think same, the same goes for football. They seem to do something to everyone. And the, the watching a guy have the ball easily taken from him in a scenario that everyone seems to foresee but him and it and not see any kind of reaction that's like commensurate with, with what turns out to be a pretty like game-ruining turnover – it's. I don't know what people who, who don't want you to lay this at the feet of coaches, primarily. I don't know what they expect people to do, because there's there's no team in the world that's going to have players do things over and over and over again that it doesn't eventually escalate up the, the responsibility chain, to the coaches. Like at some point, it's like if everyone does this, well then who's teaching you guys how to do this? You know what I mean? Right? You know what I mean? Like, I understand if you want to say, like, hey, this is a super, super shorthanded roster. There isn't a lot of coaches in America that would do a lot better with this. I mean, that might be true. But I refuse to believe, like, this is the best version of these guys. Yeah, I, I have a hard time believing it, mainly because we've seen these guys play the past couple of years. And we have seen them play good but you know Sidney Curry had a dunk last night in the first half and I said this on Twitter and, and some people take it and are done with it but you know you can't really do anything about that that the dunk he had in the first half uh I can't remember how much time was left I'd have to look back but it was a one-handed guy in his face contested like those are the kind of plays we saw Sidney Curry make every game towards the end of last season like he he was posterizing dudes and looked so confident, at least on the offensive end, and looked like it was getting somewhere. You, Jalen Withers is a former All-ACC freshman who, granted, we saw him struggle last year. So I'm not saying this was by any means like, oh, we should expect Jalen Withers to really take a leap. Now, if they were going to be good, he was going to need to take a leap. But even in a game where he did some good things last night, there's still too many one-on-one isos from the perimeter that you know are going to turn into a turnover. That you know before the play even starts, it's like, this is not going to go well. Every And, and the, the repeated efforts to try it, whether it's that, and that's just an example. I'm not trying to back on Jalen here. Like, those are the plays where I look at and say, okay, 
you have had to talk with the coaching staff about this in practice before. There is no way that you have gone into a film session and looked at this and they're telling you that's okay. So are you either just tuning it out at this point or are they really not relaying that message well enough to you to drive home that like you just can't do this anymore? That That's where the rub is for me with some of these problems. And it's something that, well, frankly, we, if you're not... We're not at practice, which we understandably have gone over many times. So you can't specifically point to who the blame lies there. But ultimately, as with any team, whoever they are coached by, a lot of it is going to fall on the coaching staff. How can it not? Yeah. In, pe- in people's minds. I, th- that's maybe the part that I don't understand, to be this far into it. In it's almost, two and eighteen, man. Like it's come on now. <laughs> well, right. The, in, this far into it, and like this ineffective, there isn't another. I, and I want you all who are, uh, you know who you are, uh, you know where you stand uh, when it comes to. If you are someone who has been, has you felt like, man, I'm I'm kind of alone here, and how much I think he's he's not the problem. Then ask like think about any other team you root for or other teams that other people root for. If you saw this, you th- you would have moved up to the coaching being a, an issue far sooner than you are right now because you just don't want that to be it. And I I will fully admit that that's kind of where I am. Like I don't want that to be the conclusion that we're going that that we're going to get to. But it's it's imp- like there's not another coach that we have observed their team play where where we would not immediately or at least have already kind of very firmly been like you're not doing a good job getting this where it needs to be. Well, and I think last night's game, you know, we talked about the the pit game and that having a different feeling to it or whatsoever. And and something I challenge with with last night's game is if you just look at now bear with me here because I'm, I'm going to ask you to do something that you can't do with this team. But let's ask you to do it. They had 19 turnovers last night. That, we can all reasonably agree, that was the biggest reason they lost the game. Let's avoid that stat for a second. For one second. They shot 53% from the field. They shot 50% from three. Rebounding battle, about even. They lost They lost it by two. It was 27-25. Offensive rebounds, Boston College had eight. Louisville had six. But... You look at this and you say, man, this absolutely should have been a win. It should have been. They outshot Boston College completely and still found a way to give the game away. And that that's not, like that's kind of remarkable. Is it Well, not, not only is it yeah, yes it is, of course, but not only is it remarkable that that happened, but like if I had told you before the game, all right, here's the stat I'm going to give you that's going to be true, and uh, you tell me if you think Louisville won the game or not, that's that's number one. Like if I tell you that Louisville's going to shoot fifty percent, fifty three and fifty, like fifty three from the field as a team, fifty percent from three, I would not only would I say like they're not going to lose by ten, they would win. They and they, and they outscored him in the paint, thirty four twenty eight. Like, it wasn't a game where we've seen games where they've gotten beaten in the paint despite being the bigger team. It's pretty mystifying to lose that game. I mean, I'm looking at at, at this team, and, and I don't uh, 
it's odd to to get to this place now, but I feel like they have Louisville has good guards, which is so weird considering how much we have just destroyed Kenny for for not addressing guards more. And they might not have enough. But if your starting guards play 38 and 32 minutes, which is what Mike James and L. Ellis did, uh, they had between them 32 points, six assists, eight turnovers. So that's not great. But 32 points from your, your starting backcourt and your team overall shoots over 50%, shoots 50% from three and makes nine, by the way. This is not two for four from three. This is nine of 18. Like, that is a game you've got to win against – at the time, nine and eleven Boston College. Yeah, this is not yeah. like you played this way against Kentucky and it wasn't enough. This was Boston College, and instead, not only did you not win the game, got outscored in the second half by sixteen. Yep. How? Yep. And in a game where, again, I know I, I mentioned Jalen just turnover and how that's a frequent thing. He added sixteen and seven. That's the best statistically. I think that's the best game he's had all year. And you found a way to blow this one. I, I got to admit, man, watching Boston College, that's a bad team. Straight up. Not a good team at all. Like, watching that game in general between those two last night was an eyesore. I didn't watch it minute, like, from start to finish, but I watched a good majority of it. And I looked at my girlfriend on the couch for a second. I said, This is an eyesore right now like my eyes are literally burning <laughs> from watching this it was awful and it, it but circling back to to the whole original point before we got into the details of the game that's where when you start giving away winnable games in some of these scenarios and, and frankly I mean there have lately there haven't really been that many but you know, you talk about the the lack of mental toughness to deal with adversity and and those the the big run that you know is coming every game and the the one problem that stands out above the rest that is still an issue and is not getting any better actually can make the argument that it's getting worse and it, it's just hard to not put that at the feet of the staff and say is it like is there any method you want to try and change or something new you want to give a go here to try and alleviate these problems or at least make them a little bit better to change a couple of results down the stretch to get any sort of positive vibe or mojo going when you desperately need it right now? Um, I understand Emmanuel Okorfor is an, an interesting kid and and has a great story and you bring him in at the end of the year and some people are like, are he's going to, is he going to play against Boston college? He did not play. Obviously a kid who just started practicing with the team. I don't think can play. Uh, but the fact that, that you even look to that as some sort of um, like positive bright spot to possibly come in and change something is, is kind of indicative of where this has gotten to this year. All right, let's uh, take a quick break here, capture, uh, recapture our uh, our composure here. Uh, and when uh, we come back, I want to continue with this uh, a little bit and talk about that young man that we did not see uh, last night. Uh, I, I was kind of hoping to, but we didn't. So I want to talk about that uh, on the other side here. On the drive on the Thunderville, we'll be right back. Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition, and I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again, just like I just did. 
You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, Come on, muscle through it. But then also say, Hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start, before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis and Tyler Griever. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Tyler Griever. A couple of texts into the UPS Jobs text line, 3831-939. We'll open up the phones here. Uh, we can go open, open them up now. That's fine. A couple of texts in. Are we surprised by these results? Why? No. Uh, Next. No. And, but I, I don't think <laughs> – but I no, no, I need everyone to understand, like, just because you are, like, in detail and energetically, you know, going into these results and, and calling out what is good and what is not good, and I think we did a decent amount of saying, hey, they did shoot the ball well last night, and I feel like I didn't think at the beginning of the year they had two good guards, but I think they do. I think L. Ellis and Mike James could play for and win with most teams in the ACC, I, which only sort of adds to the frustration of yeah. the the part that we thought was the staff's maybe strength uh, has been the part that has disappointed uh, the most. But I don't have to be surprised to have the reaction that I'm having. I am not surprised, and that also makes me mad. Well, and I think a key caveat there is like, I think L. Ellis and Mike James are good guards as well. I just don't think of the guards that are needed for this team. Like, they are good scoring guards, and I have said on this show before and elsewhere that I think L. has made strides in terms of being a distributor. But they still desperately need someone they can trust to protect the ball, run the offense, and distribute. Uh, if, if they had one of those guys it would have made a massive difference uh, for this team. And and it actually leads me to a question that I wanted to pose based off of the newest addition that that came through today for next year is a commitment from uh, California, uh, Corin Davis, I I believe. Corin Davis. Yeah, I'm not sure how you pronounce it off the top of my head, but Juco product uh, who did improve quite a bit last season, was scoring 16 points on 47% shooting and shot only 26% from three. Now he's up to shooting 49% from the field and 37 from three. That's a pretty big improvement. So uh, combo guard type uh, seems to be a, a solid addition from the JUCO ranks, but here's the interesting part that that I would like to drill into more. Was this the kind of addition that the staff could have made like, not this young man specifically. I'm speaking from the JUCO ranks, similar types of players who could help you more in a, like, win-now type of mentality. Were there additions like this to be made in the offseason before this year that the staff opted not to really make or didn't want, passed over? 
And, and that's something that I feel like is really worth examining because we, we come back over and over again to the roster construction and what the overall plan or idea was. And you can see that a lot of teams around the country, uh, obviously I'm a Missoulam, so I'm going to be biased here, but I watch what Dennis Gates has done with some JUCO guys as well as some of the guys he's brought from Cleveland State. And while I think Missouri has some pretty big flaws this year, I also think they're a pretty good team, and they've been able to show immediate improvement because they brought some guys who had some experience. Granted, they had played together, but they went to this rank. So was this the type of player that they didn't want or evaluate coming into this season or just missed on? I'm not sure. I don't know how to answer that question for this reason. And I'm not picking on this kid at all. I'm going to take the exact same track I took with, with the core for who I know yeah. we will we'll talk about, but I don't know anything about this. Right. Kid. No, I, I, and I'm in the and same I, boat. Absolutely. I don't know anything about him good or bad. And so I'm totally open to the notion that they're actually being very resourceful and perhaps have been able to un, uncover something or someone that, uh, that, that nobody else has. And they're, Way ahead of everybody else. I would love. I mean, that's best case, of course, that they, you know, that they saw something. They're gonna take a flyer on somebody that nobody else has been, has been willing to do so, and it's gonna work out, and they'll look smart. And if that were to happen, that would be great for them. They could use, you know, uh, something that validates like the evaluative eyeballs of the of this staff in particular. Is it the kind of guy that they could have had earlier and and opted not to? Probably, yeah, I think you're probably right. Not specifically him, but it's pretty obvious, I think, to everybody at this point. Like, they, there are guys they could have had, and they opted not to, and would probably, if you're being honest, if they're being honest, would would admit one of the, if not the biggest blunder they made was in sort of rolling the dice with the roster that they had, primarily, without adding anybody else shorter term to help it. Does that, There's no question that's the biggest blunder they made. Does the, yeah, I was about to say you you've done a a good job of of really hitting that point anytime we've ever talked about this team and this season and that we kind of get wrapped up in a lot of different uh, discussions or points about you know where where it went wrong and all of this. But I I've always agreed with you from the standpoint that you you really have to start at the very beginning of the talent evaluation of it what Louisville needed this year versus what they could use in the next couple years and there being like a, a disconnect or a problem with how that was evaluated that led to this, right? Yes, I do I do think that's right. Yeah, I agree with you on that. So, and, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, again, you, you're never guaranteed anything when, when with any recruit. I, I don't want to just keep this to the junior college level at all because there's a lot of good players that come from the junior college level. We've seen that. I mean, L. Ellis is one of them who, who has benefited Louisville greatly from coming from there. Um, but I, I look at someone like a Carleek Jones a couple of years ago, not from Juco, but from Radford, who's a, who was a very good college player. I liked watching Carleek Jones a lot. His patience, uh, his ability to, to finish through contact. He was just a crafty player. He was a lot of fun to watch. I, I do wonder how much the, the staff was in or tried 
with some guys for, from that the min major ranks, the JUCO ranks, whatever. No, they're not the the Tyrese Hunters of the world. And I'm not saying Louisville doesn't should not try and get into conversations with those type of guys. Of course you can if you have a chance at it. But it, it just didn't really seem like there was a maybe for lack of a better phrase or word, a, a fallback if you missed on some of that, which they did. Pretty much missed on all of it. And I, I have a hard time buying that the kids from the junior college ranks or, or from some of the smaller schools who were looking for another opportunity were not going to come to Louisville because they didn't know what was going to happen this year with the tournament and the IARP. Like, I, I just, I, I understand the cloud and that kind of stuff, but, but when we're talking about that group who really wants exposure and an opportunity and to play against good competition every single week, I, I don't think that adds up. It seems like, if nothing else, Tyler, and we've had a couple of texts to say something similar to this, you can't um, choose to li- like literally not use scholarships uh, and then complain about the caliber of the roster kind of at the same you – know, it needed to – the stories and the actions don't align no matter kind of what tack you want to take. That's, I think, the big problem for Kenny is it's like, all right, you'd, you'd – don't want to do NIL when everyone is doing it. You uh, and you know it's going to be a factor in any of the the top shelf kids that you that you want. Uh, you you don't want to take make like Jared West type guys, but then you leave the scholarships unopened or unused entirely, uh, and and then want to say you know we're shorthanded. Well, I mean you had some chances, but I, I've said this to you before. I don't want to relitigate like how we got here. That's, I think, an evaluation thing for Josh. Like, hey, can oh, you talk about? Oh, absolutely, sure. But, for, but just in terms of trying to figure out what we've got as coaches here, like what this can't be the best use of these guys either. No, and I yeah. certainly don't. I, I don't think like we know what a shorthanded team you know looks like at times. I think we've had you know the callers that talk about previously Jeff Greer mentioned this a little bit about like Notre Dame when they were utterly shorthanded they did the quote unquote the burn, you know, and they played an extreme slow ball control offense that was like the lowest risk kind of team they could possibly be because they knew they were shorthanded, but it matched what they had and it gave them a chance to win more games than then just the raw total of the talent would have given them the opportunity to win. And I don't even, what alarms me among a lot of things is I, I don't even feel like with the proper recognition by the us, us here that there's, that this roster really has major weaknesses. I don't feel like when I watch them play, they're being asked to play in such a way that gives that roster the best chance to win. No, I, I don't think so. I think it's a, I think it's been from the beginning of the year Kenny and the staff have said, look, this is how it's the whole instilling the culture thing, and this is how we want it to look, and and that's all great. Like, that's fine. I understand you have a plan, you have a way you want to play, all that stuff. Uh, But the biggest strength of a coach, in my view, is that even when you do have a style of play that you like or something that you want to do, you are also able to adapt when you see whether that's in practices or you needed to see it play out in games once they started counting, whatever, whoa, okay, I think we can play this way down the line, but for this season right now, we have to adjust. 
we have to figure something else out. I don't know what we tinker with here, but we have to try and change up a little bit. Um, now, a bigger problem with that, or a large theme with that is, can anybody distinctly point out what they're trying to do on either end of the floor? I'm not asking you to be Rick Patino. I'm not asking you to you know, be X's and O's guru here by any, by any means, because I'm not. Mark's not. Most of you who call in are probably not. We're not coaches, but I struggle with that. And, and it's hard to really address this whole problem we're talking about if if that can't like be nailed down. And, and that's, again, indicative of the work done by the staff this year. 8150-939, that's uh, the number if we'd like. Uh, if you want to get in here, 3831-939 for the UPS jobs text line. You're welcome to jump in uh, that way as well. Let's get uh, Tim in here to lead us off here. Tim, welcome into the drive. What's up, bud? Hey, what's going on, boys? So first off, Tyler, I just want to uh, I want to congratulate or thank you or whatever. Your addition to the local sports scene has been fantastic. So seems like you're everywhere, whether it's Satterfield up in Cincinnati or Lucy <laughs> or whatever. So keep it up, man. You're doing an awesome job. And Thanks, it's been man. nice uh, to watch your work. So here's a couple things, and you too, Anna. She's the best show in town. So um, here, here's a couple things that – frustrate me so you know for those of us that had some concern about this last year we were told different things and it keeps changing you know so we were told well these guys are going to play hard and get after it big man whisperer all that junk well that hadn't happened well he's going to get some he's going to get some transfers we're going to be surprised who wants to come here even with the cloud even with the cloud you'd be surprised well nobody came here and so now you look at the team last night outside of van p and hersey p no other Kenny Payne guys play. Fabio, what's his name, play. Devin Reed doesn't play. Hatfield, I know he's hurt, but he didn't play. And none of the other, none of the guys that he brought in play. And now the cloud's been lifted, right? And everybody's like, well, just wait for the cloud to be lifted. You're going to see what he can do. That's the new thing now. Well, the cloud's been lifted for two months. We got two guys committed to us that nobody's ever heard of. Now, maybe they're going to be great. I don't know. But things keep happening, and the people that say stick with him, stick with him, give him a chance, you're being too hard on him, they keep changing the argument. They keep changing what we're supposed to judge him by. So this kid that committed today, are you telling me we couldn't get him in June? I promise you you can get him in June or somebody like him. But the cloud's been lifted, and we're not getting the guys that – that we were told we were going to get. Now, maybe we will in the, in the portal. I don't know. But maybe they're all taken. I don't know. It just seems like things keep changing. But the only thing that's not changing is we keep blowing leads and we keep losing games. And so it's frustrating. 2-18, and 18, I don't know what we do about it, but I'd put everybody in there that Kenny's brought in and let them at least play. I don't understand why those two guards aren't playing. What, what do you got to lose? Um, let them play 25 minutes a game and see what happens. So just my thoughts. And uh, I guess we'll do it again on Saturday. Take care, fellas. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I think for some folks, uh, that's been the case, like in their sort of advocacy for for Kenny, yeah. that you know the goalposts get moved. I mean, that, like Jerry Eves, it certainly does uh, some of that. But I think what Tim's really driving at is what I think has bugged a good bunch of people is that just the, you know, when you hire a coach, you generally speaking have a an idea of what he's going to bring. Right. Uh, 
and and a hope of what he's going to bring. I mean, it's obviously he sold himself with something. And I, the thing that I think haunts Kenny most right now is like whatever it is that was we knew what his weaknesses were in terms of experience and all that sort of thing. But the the pros, the things that were uh, positives, not pros like professionals. The pros, I guess in a sense that could be what we're talking about. <laughs> the the pros, the the things that he was supposed to bring uh, have not, he has not. And that like, that's on him. I think to really have an explanation for and a plan for. Uh, and if I'm Josh, I'm, I would be deeply concerned that those things haven't arrived yet uh, and, and would want some pretty detailed explanations for how it needs to look uh, after this, if he's going to keep him around, even after, after this year, we always talk really quickly with, uh, with Elliot Mattingly from court physical therapy at this time, Elliot, how, uh, how are you uh, doing? You doing all right this time? Uh, this time of year, buddy. What's like? What's the calendar like in the in the world of uh, physical therapy here? Does something arise in the early winter here? You see people who are like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back in shape. I'm getting back in the gym. I'm gonna exercise or whatever. And then now here they are with you because they got hurt. Well, first off, like I came into this conversation, you talking about somebody that's a professional that's not living up to their part of the job. I'm like, man, they're dogging me today. Like, <laughs> I could come on. I could come on one week. And they're just roasting me. I'm like, like, they just let me in too early, and I could hear you talking about me. So then so I was like, okay, I don't think I know a Josh Accord. So I do know one, but I don't think he talks bad about me. So, um, okay, so we're past that. But, you know, usually this time of year is, is weird uh, because, you know, it's, it's a hard time for people to come to therapy because their deductibles get reset, uh, and it can be an expensive time just with any kind of medical procedure. But if you uh, – like, so usually, like, we drop down. Um, but man, we're we're rolling right now. We're going to help a bunch of people because the weather has been nice enough where people are still out there being active. Uh, knock on some wood. Like usually, we see like people who've had slips and falls, and we hadn't had a lot of issues with that because there hasn't been, you know, a lot of ice and things out there. So uh, we're seeing almost like springtime type injuries, like where people are coming in for knee pain with running, or people are having some back pain, or a lot of people are going ahead and having surgeries um, to go and hit their deductible early, which is I think it's a pretty good idea. So. Um, it's, it's a little bit different this January than usual. So knock on wood, we don't really have that ice and have those falls because I would much rather treat people for things they didn't break and if things where they're just trying to be healthy and, and be active again or get back to work or, you know, do those kind of things versus I was still bad, like, when somebody slips and falls because, like, you know, they like that was purely an accident and it's like, man, it just really stinks because it consumes your life and you, it just slows everything down and you know, nobody likes a boot and nobody likes a scooter, but... Sometimes you just got to roll with them. Well, we'd be fools. Let's talk about my home. I'm just kidding. I was about to say, we'd be fools (laughs) for talking to you right now and not be talking about Pat Mahomes. Uh, That was a gross-looking injury, and then he strides up to the podium yesterday with nothing on, looking just fine. And I, I don't believe it for a minute, but I'm kind of I want I want to go back to the injury itself first. Uh, I definitely didn't think it was anything dirty. If you want my theory on it, because I know some people said that. I think defenders don't know how to finish tackling quarterbacks anymore without getting flagged. And that what they're doing is exactly what that guy did right there. Almost to the ground, you just go dead weight and and just fall down and don't look like you're trying hard. And whatever happens, happens. And I really think that that's what he did. He just like, I'm going to drop straight down and pull him with me. And they can't get mad at me for that. Well, he went right down over his ankle. It looked pretty bad. What was your reaction to the injury itself? Well, the, just initially, so, like, I wasn't even being able to watch TV. So you sent me that, and I'm I'm seeing it. I'm like, oh, no. Like, he's done. There's no way. Because, like, yeah, I think high ankle sprain was probably best-case scenario. 
because when you have like his knee was twisted and his, the force was coming from the outside to the inside, and sometimes that's how we have uh, like big big ligament injuries in our knee. But when his foot was planted, and then it was forced into they called external rotation. So like when your foot is forced outwards, but your knee is going inwards, that's how we have high ankle sprains. When we think about ankle sprains, typically we think about rolling our ankle. That's not how this happens because. Remember, the, the high ankle sprain is that ligament that actually sits above your ankle that connects your tibia and your fibula. There's a couple in there, and there's this tissue that runs all the way up those two bones that connects those two uh, that, that allows you to be a little bit mobile, but it provides stability that you need in order to be successful. The tricky part is it does not have good blood flow. And, you know, you hear me say that a lot about with some injuries. That's kind of the key, like, will this heal fast on its own? It's got good blood flow. Will it not? It's got bad blood flow. So then time is your best friend. Well, he's got none of that. And so I'm with you on that. Like, if this truly is a high ankle sprain, um, and, you know, they diagnose that day of, usually it's diagnosed. There's a couple of special tests you could do for it to confirm it, but it's diagnosed with an MRI. But you don't have to have it. Like, in the real world, you wouldn't get an MRI because, like, the diagnosis doesn't change too much of your treatment. Uh, but, in, in you know, in, in that world, like, who knows if he had it that day or when he had that test. Um but to, to already be like, I'm coming back this week, you know, you asked her, right, like, what are they going to do to him? Like, he's going to get plenty of medication, and they are going to try to make sure his foot doesn't move. You know, it's going to be as stable as it can be. Elliot, uh, staying with, like, I don't know if it, I want to call it an ankle or not, but it's just something I, I've noticed with L. Ellis this year. Last night, there, there was a, a bit of a scary moment for Louisville fans where and you see it happen in basketball all the time. You take one wrong step and you kind of roll your foot, your ankle. He came out for mm-hmm. a little bit but came back in the game. But anybody who's watched and, and looks at the numbers this year, he has played a crazy amount of minutes this season. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, almost every game he's playing at least 35. We're 20 games into this year. From your perspective, if you were watching a guy like that and were concerned about like wear and tear or overuse, like what would that look like? to you if a guy was kind of laboring through it and needed some more rest you know this is where it's hard because i know there's this big debate and fight with like the nba world about sitting players and um you know what it's because this is it's hard because these these kids like man they played games like all summer long they played two three four games in a day so and, and they conditioned like crazy so their their energy level is there now the thing that gets compounded um if you are playing a lot of minutes and your team is, is really successful, uh, typically you don't feel as fatigued. You know, in the working world, we call it burnout, right? So, like, if you're burnt out at your job, yes, you're tired, you're not enjoying it as much, and you do feel physically fatigued even though nothing's changed. The same thing can happen in the athletic world. So, you know, you could be putting a bunch of minutes in um, and your team's successful, and, like, you feel like nothing. It energizes you. But if you're working your tail off and then – you don't feel energized because, like, you feel like you're just working so hard but nothing's happening good. It does make you feel a little bit fatigued. And then, you know, and if your mind's not there or if you're a little bit out of sync, then that can increase your risk of injury as well. So, you know, fatigue is different because there's that mental fatigue that plays a role too. Um, so, really, I'm just watching to see how they move. Do they move? Uh, is everything equal? Do they feel like they're coming up lame? Are they avoiding weight on that foot? Those are the things I would do to pull them out. Um, but really, I would, like, they got some great school psych or, or sports psych people at, at the UL Sports, and um, it might be worth saying, hey, let's talk to our guys and see where our head's at because it is hard to go out there and fight every night and to continue to fall short. 
Uh, Ellie, what would you say is the risk? Because I don't, you know, we don't see people try to battle through a high ankle sprain. You know, it, it gets treated mm-hmm. pretty seriously. What are the, for Mahomes, what are, would you say, are the limitations, even if they've got them all shut up or, or whatever? What are the physical limitations for him in trying to play through it? And what are the risks of, of it getting or downstream impacts of trying to play through a high ankle sprain? Because we just never hear about that. Yeah. So, you know, the, the initial risk is, if you're stabilizing the foot so much where it doesn't move a whole lot, your body's got to move somehow, you know, so that's going to create more movement at your knee, a little bit of risk for that, uh, for a further injury. Uh, the other thing that could happen is you're just going to be in pain because uh, our, the stability of those two leg bones is, is like that's how you go through your cut, that's how you develop power. So really you're going to see a, a much less mobile version. Um, and then if, if I'm not mistaken, it's his back foot when he throws. So. Yeah. You, you might see a little bit decrease in, in like velocity or, or power that comes to this throw because a lot of that comes from that back foot. So um, it's going to be interesting. And, and, you know, gosh, just think of this time of year. Just, I always go back to Giannis when I messed up so bad. And I said, nah, I don't know if he can do anything. And then he just he came out there and showed off. So I'm not going to say that. But if this was any normal case, you know, I would, I would say it's going to be a really tough, tough go. And it gives the Bengals the, the big advantage. Um but I can't believe he came back and played that night, you know. So that's, that's already one way to prove wrong. Like when he said that, I'm like, okay, he's done for today. And then Henny came out there and it wasn't going great. And he snuck back out, you know. So it's really, uh, it's really a toss up. Like in, in normal world, like we're done for a while. Uh, but this is playoffs. This is somebody who's laying it all in line for his team because he's got paid. You know, Lamar would have been out there if he got paid. You know, still out there. Sure. Yeah. Um, but you know, I don't disagree so we'll with that see. at all. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you guys got my back on that. Uh, I think there's still some people talking. Like Michael Vick said something to about him. Like, get out of here. Like, you probably you probably had a contract. Like, uh, I'll, I, I deserve some money. Yeah. So, but yeah, we'll see what happens. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Mahomes just proves us wrong. But in any normal situation, pain and, and function are for sure going to be limiting. It, generally speaking, last one before we let you go here. If they safely get through this game and they and they win they, they would be in the super bowl in two weeks what is typically you know a reasonable kind of recovery time or at least how much better will he be two weeks from now uh, if he just has your average ankle you know um normal recovery is at minimum like six eight weeks um oh, wow. you know so yeah so it it doesn't really matter like yeah of course it should continually get better if he doesn't do something to re-aggravate it again but the fact that we'll have a couple weeks to to go through and, and, and let it let it heal and rehab the way you're supposed to. It's going to feel better, but it won't be healed. Elliot, folks, uh, tell folks where they can find out what uh, what Court Physical Therapy can do for them. Yeah, give us a call at 1-800-645-COURT. Check us out at court.com or any of our social media accounts, and hopefully you can see all the activities that we are involved in because it uh, it's been an interesting January. We're all over the place, so uh, we'd love to see you sometime. All right, Elliot, we'll look forward to talking to you again next week, buddy. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, Elliot Mattingly Court Physical Therapy. Good stuff uh, from him, uh, as always. Yeah. yeah, I will be. Uh, I will be fascinated to see what that game looks like. I'm trying to think like, outside of Lamar himself. There are very few quarterbacks where like the mobility being minimized or or gone oh, completely ch- would change more than than Mahomes. Uh, and they, man, it's going to change. It's going to change that game a lot. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Those of you who called, uh, and then we yeah. get Elliot in here. Call back. And we'll get right to you guys, uh, and we'll continue to talk with you all until Fat Jack at 4.30. On the drive, on I thin the bill. Be right back.